Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 50 of the Jesus Society Podcast. We're, uh, we're easing up. We are easing up, folks. Two more weeks, two more episodes, and we will have been doing this a year, a whole year. Um, this is pretty exciting. Um, you know, I always hoped this would be just kind of an ongoing thing. But, you know, you start something new like this, and you never really know. You know, how long is this going to last? Are you going to have the, the juice to, uh, to keep this thing going as long as, um, as long as you want to? You know, how's all that going to fly? You never know. Um, so I'm pretty excited that we're uh, getting close to the, um, uh, the uh, one-year mark for this. Um, I have to think about doing something for episode 52, do something special. I don't know. Um, so uh, we're so okay. Let me back up. So the last time you heard from me was last week, um, because you were listening to the to the worship, um, the last episode of the worship conversation. What you what you may not know, um, but you should know if you if you were listening to it, is that we recorded those last three episodes of that little series all on one day. So we we haven't recorded anything for about three weeks. Um, and I have, um, um, I intended to just keep recording stuff and sort of stay ahead a little bit, but I haven't done that. I have instead used the last three weeks to, uh, just do some reading and some thinking and some praying and, um, just kind of, kind of come up for air for a little bit and sort of think kind of, kind of because we're getting to the, to the one year mark, I'm, I'm just kind of reflecting on what, what do we do from here on out? What's, um. What do I want this this podcast to be? What did I want it to be from the start? And have we have we accomplished that? Have we sort of maintained that course? Um, and I think mostly we have. Um, I think in some cases we've deviated a little bit, but that's okay. Um, but as we move forward, I want to just kind of rally around again my my core. Um, mission for doing this, um, and that is to promote relationship renewal and purpose in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is my is my rally point around which I think about God and our work in the world. Um, it is a it is a big deal in Scripture, um, and it's not as big a deal as as it ought to be in a lot of our thinking and in, in, in our churches. Um, so. I'm going to spend the next, I don't know, I don't know how many weeks. I want to kind of go back and I'm trying to make this not just a rehash of the stuff I did early on in my story of the Bible little series, but kind of an expansion of an expansion on some of those kind of things. Um, So um, what I want to try to do over the next um, number of episodes, uh, at its core, I want us all to be crystal clear about who God is in the Bible. Um, because I think we've, I think even those of us who are Christians and, and go to church every Sunday and we've, you know, we've been part of a, of a community of faith for a long time. Sometimes our, our, our view of God is not what it ought to be, truthfully. Um, so I want to, I want to get real clear uh, about who, and I know in my own life, let me just talk, um, autobiographical here for a minute. In my own life, 
I, I have evolved um, as I have continued to study Scripture and, and continue to allow God to work in my heart. I have seen that we have emphasized some things that are not central um, in our study of Scripture. Um, we have de-emphasized some things that, or, or passed over or not even noticed some things that I think are absolutely critical to the biblical story. Um, one of my own uh, frustrations, I, you know, I, I have been, I have been studying the Bible and doing ministry and stuff now for for a lot of years, several decades, and there are still I, I've got a, a a pretty hefty theological education under my belt, but in spite of all that, and I'm not being critical of that, but in spite of all that, there are big chunks of the biblical story. That have, that are kind of a mystery to me. There are that have been um, things that I just I don't know how this fits. I don't know what's you know. I have studied. I was telling somebody this recently. I have studied all the books of the Bible in pieces, but I have I have rarely found somebody that that helped me see how all those different books and all those different pieces fit together into co- into a coherent whole that normal people can understand. <laughs> That's an important part of all this. So what I want to try to do for the next little bit here, the next number of episodes, is really kind of call ourselves back to Scripture and really kind of try to trace out who God is, what He's up to in the world, and how He how He wants us to be involved in those things, how He wants to to renew us, you know, relationship renewal and purpose. Those those are my linchpins in all this. Um, how do we how do we get a clearer view of what God is doing and what He is calling us to? That's so. Those are some things I'm going to kind of camp out on um, in, in the next uh, I don't know number of weeks, uh, however long. It, I, I have no I have no firm plan that this is going to be six episodes or two episodes or. We're going to talk about some things every week that I think God wants us to talk about. And however long that takes is how long that takes. So, okay. Um, so to get there, um, I, want to, I want to look at some of the big, what I think are some of the big themes of Scripture. Um, kind of the, the touchstones as we move from Old Testament to New which we did some um, in our story of the Bible series, um, and it would be it would be not a bad thing to go back and listen to those episodes if you have not listened to those. Um, but but we're going to build on some of those, and we're going to talk about some things we didn't talk about in some of those. So um, I, we're going to today uh, we're going to spend some time again in the first three chapters of Genesis because I have just become increasingly convinced that our standard reading of those chapters leaves a lot to be desired. We're missing some big things that, uh, that God wants us to see that we don't always, that we don't always see. So we're going to spend some time in Genesis 1 through 3 again today. We're going to, not today, but as we move forward, I, I want to really talk about the Exodus. The Exodus was a huge focal point in Israelite history and it was it was huge theologically in in terms of the way God revealed himself to Israel and there's some really big things in there that we want to see we're going to talk about the exile um, the Israelite exile um, because that is another huge turning point for Israelite history and it is big for us too it's understanding 
why God sent the nation into exile, what he was how how what he was trying to accomplish, how Israel responded to the exile, and here's a big one: how long it really lasted. Okay, um, we, we need to we need to wrap our minds around that. Um, we're going to talk about at length the coming of Israel's king Jesus and what he really came to do, and how some of the ways in which we talk about what Jesus accomplished um, don't go far enough in really getting at the heart of what Jesus um, came to do. Um, we're going to talk about, in, as part of that, the crucifixion and the resurrection in, in a lot more detail. Um, this The centerpieces of the Christian faith, what was really going on there. And we'll deal with some of the some of the struggles with the idea of God um, punishing someone who was innocent so he didn't have to punish us and, and how we sometimes talk about that and some, some better ways I think we can talk about all that. We're also going to talk about the idea of, new, of a new creation, um, which is a much bigger deal in Scripture than a lot of us think about. Okay, So there's a lot of this kind of stuff. What where have we come from? What's God doing in the world? What was God's ultimate intent in the world? How has Israel um, um, contributed to that and thwarted that? And what God is ultimately trying to do now and going forward with, with Jesus and with us and, and a lot of that kind of stuff. What I hope, what I hope is as we talk about some of these things and as we move through some of these concepts and stories and scriptures, what I hope will happen for a lot of us is kind of what has happened with me. I hope that we will all get a renewed appreciation, a deeper appreciation for God, for who he has made us to be, for, for Jesus, and, and that we will, we will see kind of a renewed sense of a, of a vocation that we all share in God's good world. Okay, um, so we're going to start today. Um, we're ten minutes in now already. I'm watching the time. I hate being, I hate, <laughs> I hate being captive to the clock. I just really do. But you know, I realize, I realize, you know, this has been my struggle since we've started this. You know that because I've talked about it. Um, we're going to do our best here. That's the best. <laughs> that's the best I can tell you. Um, so we're going to start where the Bible starts with creation, and I would I would again urge you to go back and listen to the two episodes I did last year on why God created us, and the episode that I called creation and chaos. And I will put links to those episodes in the show notes. We're not going to totally rehash all that, um, so you, you know if you want to go back and listen to that, that'll probably fill in some blanks. If you've not listened to those, you you should I think. Um, and and the big point in all this that I want to stress as we as we think about um, creation is the idea of humans as God's image bearers. Okay, that is a big deal. Um, and I know you've probably heard sermons, lots of sermons, talking about what it means to be created in God's image. And I think I, I've heard a lot of those. I've preached some of those. And I think most of the time our, our, um, our treatment of that is not adequate. Um, but I want to I stress that. I want to sort of wrap a bow around that, draw some underlines and some highlights over that. So Genesis 126, we're told 
that God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. In verse 27, it says that God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And then in verse 28, it says that God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Okay. There's some things we need to really see and pay attention to in those verses. Um, Two in particular. Um, The first thing is that God made humans, male and female both, okay, male and female both, in his image, okay? Now, we're not going to get off on some gender discussion here. God made male and female in his image. So, true, uncorrupted humanity, okay, humanity before the fall, is intended, designed, created by God to bear his image before the world. This is, this is such a huge, important concept, okay? Humans, as God created us, God's intent for humanity, okay, God's vision of humanity, we are intended to be image bearers of the divine, okay? God created us in an exalted state right out of the chute. Now, we, we talk about humanity today, and we almost never talk that way, okay? Hum, humanity is... Tr- troubled and problematic, and, and we're going to get there with the, with the fall, all right? But, but we need to see humanity as God intended us to be. It's, it's really important that we see God's intent for humanity, okay, as being image bearers in his world, okay? So that's the first thing. Got to see that, got to understand it, got to grapple with it. The second thing that's huge about this passage is that God intended for man to rule his creation. Now, we need to define that word a bit um, because after a long run of human history, the idea of ruling has been marred and tarred by all sorts of unholy and destructive notions and people and examples, right? Okay, Uh, we can see that all throughout history loads and loads and loads of rulers. We can see this in the Bible. We can see this through every period of human history thereafter, including today. Rulers often become ungodly, uh, evil, corrupted agents of violence and wickedness, okay? But we need to see that that is not what God's talking about um, from the start. God's idea in in ruling um, is different. So, um, the words that are translated in Genesis one twenty eight as uh, subdue, subdue, um, which is the the Hebrew word uh, kabas, and and the word rule, which is the Hebrew word rada, those are strong words, okay, and they and they imply both the exertion and effort that that is required to do those things, and honestly, the imposing of one's will upon something else, okay, now. They are not terms that imply violence or abuse, okay? They just are not. 
And by far the, the dominant in, interpretation of those words in both Jewish and Christian tradition down through the centuries has been that those two words entail benevolent care for the rest of creation. So I like, when I think about those, the, the concept of ruling in God's world, the, like in the way that we're talking about here, I, I kind of like the word tend um, um, because it because it I think it conveys um, something a lot more benevolent than what we sometimes think of when we think about ruling. We think about ruling with an iron fist, right? God's concept of ruling when he when he gave man that responsibility is more like tending a garden, okay? Being a caretaker, okay? Um, the point is that in God's good world, rulership is benevolent and helpful, okay? So the vocation that God gave to human beings from the start, we were given the authority and vocation of tending creation in partnership with God. And, and the idea of, of, of tending, caretaking, being stewards of God's good creation is made clear, I think, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, where we're told that the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden, quote, to work it and watch over it, okay? That's a much more benevolent kind of uh, concept that we would apply to, to this concept of ruling than what we sometimes think. So, to be fully human then, uh, as God created us to be, is to bear God's image and act as partners with God, intending God's good world, okay? Um, humans are not equal with God, okay, to be sure. God is our benevolent ruler, and we are in submission to him, and we are then to be benevolent rulers in his creation um, by his authority. We are given, we are given as humans um, humanity, okay, unmarred humanity, is given the vocation and privilege to mediate God's presence and goodness to the creation in which we live. So God's idea for what that looks like is humans functioning as, as a kingdom of priests, okay? And we will see that concept pop up several times in the Old Testament and the New, okay? A kingdom of priests. I think that's what is intended here. Standing in the gap, as it were, between heaven and earth, bringing the blessing and goodness of God to his creation. So, so I really want to wrap this up and say we have to, we have to kind of understand what God's intent was in humanity from the start. That we not only are created as people to, to be loved by God, because we said that in our, in our uh, I think, episode two um, last year when we started this, God created us to love us, okay? But he also gave us a job to do. He gave humanity a vocation, and that vocation involved the benevolent care and stewardship and working in his good world, okay? That's important. We need to understand that, and that has always been true, and, and we need to not forget that as we go forward, okay? Now, with that background, I'm gonna, we're going to shift into Genesis 3, and we're going to talk uh, some more about this, this battle that goes on in Genesis 3. And, and again, I'd invite you to go back and, and listen to episode 3 of the podcast, which, which I did last year, and it's called Creation and Chaos. I'll put the link in the show notes. We're going to be building on some of the things that we talked about there. So 
some of the things we're going to be talking about here are, are likely a, a little bit fresh and new and different from the way we often talk about the fall in Genesis 3, okay? I think, I think I'll just say this up front, I think the way that we often talk about the, the fall of man is not untrue, but it's only, a, it's only part of what's really going on there, okay? And Scripture talks a lot about the rest of it, and we need to get a bigger view of what's going on there than just what we, what we normally think. So we'll talk about it. So Adam and Eve are in the garden, and God has set some boundaries for them, right? There's only one tree from which they cannot eat. Seems simple, right? Um, until the serpent appears, and then it's not simple anymore. Um, the serpent is widely understood to represent um, Satan or as, and you may not know this, but when, when the Bible talks about Satan, it is always the Satan, okay? The Satan. Satan is a word that means adversary. So when you read about Satan, it's, in Hebrew, it's the Satan, the adversary, um, which tells you a lot about him, right? <laughs> so the serpent, who represents um, the Satan, um, the adversary, entices Eve, who then entices Adam to eat what we call the forbidden fruit. Now, the way we look at this story often, um, oftentimes we, we read that story and we see nothing more than a lesson in obedience, right? God told them the rules, the serpent comes along and tempts them to disregard the rules, and rather than choosing obedience to the rules, they choose disobedience to the rules, and they break the rules, and, and, and thus they earn condemnation from God and the resulting alienation from his presence uh, in the garden, okay? Typically, we think about sin as the thing that separates us from God and keeps us from going to heaven, okay? And that's, the, that's as we trace this through Scripture, um, sin is the big thing that God needs to fix, um, and what he really needs to do with us is to punish us for our disobedience and our insolence. And But he doesn't want to do that because he loves us. And so Jesus comes and um, stands in the gap, stands in the way of God's wrath. Um, and uh, God lays all that on him and scourges him and whips him. And that represents God's anger and wrath toward us that Jesus takes upon himself. Okay, you know the drill. What I want to argue here is that there is much more going on than that. And I also want to argue that God is not, the picture of God as this angry, wrathful God is not at all the picture that we, that we see in Scripture, okay? Like, we need, to, we need to reimagine God, okay? Because Scripture does not present him that way, um, in spite of some passages that might tend to suggest that, okay? So we're, we're, we're going to unpack all that, all right? But God is not this wrathful, angry God that hates us and just wants us to, wants to punish us, that Jesus has to come and take all that on him. There's, there's much, much, much more going on in all this, okay? Um, again, we, we typically see this as a failure to follow the rules, and I want to argue there's much, much, much more going on here than that. And let me be clear. What I want to say here is that in this story, it is not the disobedience and obedience. Um, it, it's not that those things are not important themes that we need to appreciate and grapple with. With They are. Obedience is huge. God wants us to be obedient. God is not a fan at all of disobedience. 
okay? Scripture makes that crystal clear, and we're not going to undo that, all right? That's true, okay? Um, but there is a lot more going on in all this than just that, okay? This is about way more than just a failure to follow the rules and the, and the wrath and punishment that might come from that, okay? What we, what we have got to see here is that there is a cosmic war just beginning in Genesis 3, and battle lines are being drawn for that war right here in the garden. And don't miss this, okay? Do not miss this. That battle is not between us and God, okay? The battle is not between us and God. The great battle of Scripture that starts here in Genesis 3 and extends all the way on um, throughout the world and throughout history is between the good creator God and the forces of rebellion and chaos and evil. And rather than being God's adversaries here, which is the way I think we sometimes view this, Adam and Eve, who represent all the rest of us, are better thought of as the prize, okay? Um, they are the spoils of war. They, we, are what's at stake here. And the big question to be decided here is who will rule us? Who will lead us? And what the serpent is doing here is attempting to usurp God's rule in the world. He is staging a coup, if you will, and we are the prize. There is a, there is a battle afoot, uh, to borrow a modern phrase, uh, for the hearts and minds of God's image bearers. Okay? There are two masters vying for our allegiance, and the two could not be more different. Satan and his agents, who the Bible will refer to as the principalities and powers, we'll see that term in the New Testament, okay? Satan and his, and his agents, the principalities and powers, have as their aim our destruction. They do not love us. They do not care for us. They do not want what is good for us. They do not want to bless us. They do not want to set us free. Um, they're not interested in our well-being. They are interested in our bondage and they are interested in our destruction. Peter will, will put it this way in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. He will say, your adversary, okay? There's the idea in the Satan, the Satan. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour, okay? So, so the devil and his minions, these principalities and powers, they want to imprison us and to devour us. But here's the thing about this. They cannot take us captive against our will, okay? They require our cooperation and our willingness, a willingness which all too often we're willing to, to, to offer. And their tools then to, to, uh, to get, you know, they have to convince us to get onto their side and their tools of doing that are lies and deception. And that is exactly what the serpent offers Adam and Eve, lies and deception. And we talked about some of that last year in the, in the episode we did last year. And in falling for that, those lies and, that, and, and, and allowing ourselves to be deceived, we end up thinking, in a bizarre way, we end up thinking that we are our own masters in all this. 
Uh, remember what Paul says in Romans 6, 16? He says, don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey. When we, when we give in and when we believe the lies, we surrender ourselves to bondage. And the irony of all this is that we, actually, we think that we're calling our own shots. We think that we're exercising our own independence we're masters of our own destiny, and we are exercising an independence in only in, in so much as we're choosing our master. Okay, we we think though that we're leading ourselves. We think that we're giving us ourselves freedom from the 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 oppressive rules of a of, of a uh, you know of an angry god or a mean god or a god that's trying to hold us down or hold us back. That's often what we think ourselves doing. Okay. To make a, make ourselves think that we're free while in actually we're surrendering to bondage. And we end up as nothing more than willing slaves of a vicious and cruel taskmaster. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about all this. The thing that stops us from being the genuine humans that God intends us to be in the world is not just the sin, but the idolatry that underlies it. Idolatry is giving our allegiance to something other than the true God. And the idols here are Satan and his principalities and powers. And they have gained power over us because we have handed it over to them. And now they have power over us. So, so that's, that's one side of this battle. Now let's look at the other side on which stands our creator God. And make no mistake, he wants to rule us as well. But remember how we defined rulership earlier? As benevolent and helpful, benevolent care for his creation. And we're part of that. So we're jumping around, we're jumping ahead here a little bit, but remember Jesus' invitation to us in Matthew 11, 28 through 30? He invites us as battered, war-ravaged captives with these words. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, and there is a yoke, there is a yoke. Take my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The contrast between Satan and and our Father could not be more stark. Satan coerces and manipulates us. God invites us and beckons us. Satan leads us into bondage. God leads us into freedom. Whereas Satan's end is our destruction, God's end is our blessing. Whereas Satan leads us towards violence and conflict, God leads us towards peace and rest. Okay? So, in the garden, a battle has begun. But God chose to fight for the people that he loves. And his intent became to redeem his people from bondage and to recreate a new world. Now, what that will take from our perspective here in Genesis 3 is for the power of the idols to be broken. Because remember, the idolatrous powers of Satan are the real enemy here. Okay, And since sin entered the world way back in Genesis 3, the power of idolatry is what keeps us 
giving our allegiance to the, to the non-gods of the world. And as we'll see, as we move our way through Scripture and we see this unfolding story, for God, dealing decisively with sin has a more profound effect than, than just releasing people so we can go to heaven when we die, all right? That's, we have held that up as kind of the ultimate prize you know, if we just hold on and be faithful, let God deal with our sin and, and make sure we don't sin anymore, when this, uh, when this old miserable life is over, we'll get to go to heaven when we die, okay? I'm going to argue, hopefully convincingly, um, as we move through with this, that there's, there's a bigger deal going on than, than that, okay? Um, and I'll, I'll show my cards right now. It's not so much that we go to heaven when we die. It's that heaven comes to earth and recreates the earth, new creation, okay? So, so for, for God to deal decisively with sin involves releasing humans from the grip of the idols so that we can place ourselves once again under the benevolent shepherding of the living God and be renewed according to his image. In the Bible, as we're going to see, God's plan to deal with sin, to break the power of the idols, and to bring forth new creation into his world, all of that will be focused on the people of Israel. Okay? Now, in the New Testament, that focus is narrowed down to Israel's representative, who we know as Jesus the Messiah. He will stand in for Israel, becoming for the world what Israel was supposed to be, and becoming for Israel what God always wanted to be, their Redeemer and king. And that makes him our redeemer and king. So, let me let me try to kind of sum all this up. Okay? Um we're we're doing okay on time. Nicely. Um in Genesis 1 through 3, I think we need to get clear-headed about two things, okay? In particular. One is the biblical picture of God's goal for the world and Number two, we have to diagnose the human problem of Genesis 3 correctly. Because only if we get really crystal clear on those two things, if we, if we properly understand them, only then will, will, we, will we be able to see everything that God wants us to see in the rest of Scripture, including the work and person of Jesus and his death and resurrection, what those really mean, okay? Which is more, I think, than what we sometimes, the way we sometimes tell that story, okay? So the goal of God from the start was a creation that reflected his glory and beauty, um, tended and cared for by humans who bear his image. And here's what's important, okay? Don't, don't miss this. God has never given up on that goal. From the, from the moment that humans chose rebellion and idolatry, abdicating our God-given role and, and, and vocation in this world. God set himself on, a, on an agenda for what the Bible will call the new creation. And there's a bunch of passages that talk about that. You can see that in Isaiah 65, Isaiah 66, Matthew 19, Romans 8, 2 Peter 3, Revelation 21. There's, there's, there's hints at that all through, okay? So, so the, God's goal... From the start, again, like underline this, write this down, okay? 
is a creation that reflected his glory and beauty tended and cared for by humans who bear his image. God God has a vocation for us in the world to, to reflect his glory, to reflect his beauty, to reflect his love, to reflect his way of relating to one another and, and tending and caring for the things that God loves, okay? The second piece that, we, that we've got to understand is the human problem. And that is not simply that we've, that we've broken God's moral law, offending and, and insulting our creator whose image we bear, though, though that's, that's true, Okay, but that law-breaking is a symptom of a much more serious disease. And, and, and morality is important, okay? Don't, don't hear me saying morality is not important. Morality is very, very important, but it is not the whole story. God is not just interested in behavior management, okay? Um, God doesn't just want us to behave and be good little children, Mankind was created with a purpose. We were given a job to do. And we don't always see that, but it's a crucial piece of things. Mankind was given responsibility and authority within and over the creation, but we turned that vocation upside down, willingly giving our allegiance to forces and powers within creation itself. The Bible calls that idolatry. And it's what Paul talks about in Romans 1. And the result of that idolatry is slavery and finally death. And again, it's not... It's not just that humans do wrong things and incur punishment for that. The larger problem isn't so much about a punishment, but about consequences. When we, when we offer up our allegiance and our service to forces within the creation, the creation for which we're supposed to be somewhat responsible, we hand over our power to those other forces that are only too happy to usurp the position that God wants us to have, okay? And those non-divine and non-human forces have then run rampant, spoiling human lives, ravaging the beautiful creation, and doing their best to turn God's good world into kind of a hell on earth, and hence a place from which people want to escape, which is why heaven, going there when we die, getting out of this old, beat-up old world, and going to heaven, why that is such uh, so appealing to us, okay? Some of those some of those forces that that rule us are are familiar to us. There's things like money and sex and power, and some of those are less familiar. But but make no mistake, there is one dark accusing power, Satan, the adversary, who is who is behind them all all the rest of those. So, so God wanted to bring heaven to earth. And he gave us the vocation of, of doing that, of standing as his representatives and, and bringing life and goodness and peace and joy and love and hope and mercy and grace and all those wonderful things. We were to, we were to bring those things to the world. We were to be a light to the world. Israel will be called a light to the nations, right? That theme will pop up again in, in the New Testament where Christians are given that vocation. That is what God has always wanted. He wanted it for all of humanity. But humanity chose something else. God gave us a vocation and we 
instead abrogated our authority to the principalities and powers who then brought hell on earth and created much something much, much different than what God intended. And once we understand God's goal correctly, God's goal being the, the new creation, the new heaven and earth, not just, not just escaping this world and going to heaven when we die. And once we get the, the human problem diagnosed properly, which is idolatry and the, and the corruption of our vocation, not, not just what we call sin, all of a sudden large parts of Scripture start to make sense in ways they never did before. And most importantly, the, the, the large, wonderful, beautiful vision of Jesus and his death begin to come in view in, in ways that are more exciting and more life-changing than what many of us have seen. And here's how Paul will discuss that um, in the New Testament. In Romans 5, 17 through 21, there's other places we could look at, but this is encapsulated pretty good here. So again, when humans sin... Uh, they, we, abdicated our vocation to rule in the way that they as image bearers were supposed to, okay? Uh, they gave away their authority uh, to the powers of the world, which meant ultimately to death itself. That's why Paul will say in Romans 5.21 that sin reigned in death, okay? So reign and rule. Who's ruling now? Who's reigning? Sin is reigning, okay? Not not the humans who God created in his image and gave authority to rule now because we have given them the power. We've, we've given over our power to, to reign and to be the image bearers in the world. We've, we've abdicated that role and given it over to the, to the principalities and powers. Now sin reigns, okay? Sin is the human failure of being who God created us to be with all that that entails, when we sin, we abuse our calling, our privileges, and our possibilities. And, you know, our thoughts, our words, our actions have consequences in the world. They were, they were meant to. God intended it that way. That's what being God's image bearers is all about. Sin replaces those good and benevolent consequences with damaging ones. Turning away from the, from the source of life, we invite death in to fill that vacuum. And both of those things, sin and death, need to be dealt with, and the only place they can be dealt with is on the cross. And the whole New Testament, and Paul in particular, will insist that that is precisely what was achieved. And so the end result is that Jesus renews and restores those of us who, who choose to follow him, recreates us, to what God intended for humans to be all along. And that is why Paul can say in Romans 5, 17, a couple of verses ahead of where we just read a second ago, um, and, and he'll use the word reign, I think, three times in, in uh, verses 17 through 21. Pay attention to how he uses those, okay? But he'll say in Romans 5, 17, that those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That's us. We reign 
as God intended, as image bearers, as people who get to carry the, the, the life and fullness of goodness and goodness of God in ourselves to the world around us. Our vocation has been restored by Jesus on the cross, and that is why the cross is so incredibly important. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. Hope you'll join us again next week. Um, as always, we would appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. Um, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, um, Amazon Music, wherever, wherever you go. And and I'll tell you something that would really help. I, like, the, the success that I want for this show, I want, I want a large audience, not because I want to be some big thing. I think this stuff is important. This message, the message of the gospel is important. And I want lots of people to hear that. So one thing you can do that helps, make a comment on, on the platforms in which you get your podcast. Make a Rate us and, and make a comment. That kind of stuff, that, that helps this podcast show up more, which means more people will find it and more people can see it. Okay, um, Please visit us on our Facebook page um, for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, there's a group, a Facebook group as well. Um, check out our website, djesussociety.com. Um, and as we as we continue to grow the the, the podcast and and try to get a bigger audience, we're loading all the episodes of the of the Jesus Society podcast on on YouTube um, and Odyssey. And um, if you if you show if you search for the Jesus Society podcast on YouTube or Odyssey, that's O D Y S E E. By the way, uh, you'll find us. Um, we've mentioned this before. We've added a, pa- a Patreon page. Um, there'll be a link to all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, help us, help us get this word out. Help us, help us get the, the word about God and His Son Jesus, and the and the the beauty of His vocation, the beauty of His holiness and His redemption, and the, and the work that He's called us to do, and the ways in which He wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. Help us get that out, okay? Thanks for listening, and remember, boy, you are just greatly loved.